Uh, if you do have a Bible, either a physical one or on a device, can I ask you to turn to First Kings for the last time? You were meant to all go, ah, oh. yeah, thanks. For anyone who is visiting, and I know there are a few ways of church, as Peter has said, I've spent the past five months now reading our way through this fascinating book that tracks more than 100 years of the ups and downs of life in Israel during a time whenever different kings jumped up onto the throne and attempted to serve and lead the people of God. And as Peter said at the start, some kings were reasonably good, some were reasonably bad, and far too many were a downright disaster. And the king that we're going to read about this morning is a king that we have been reading about for a number of weeks, and that's because his story actually takes up quite a lot of the latter chapters of First Kings. He reigned in the, in the northern kingdom for 22 years, and his name was Ahab. And what we know about Ahab, and Peter really said this at the start, is he, he was a disastrous king. And so God's word tells us that he did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. And he also did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than did all the kings of Israel before him. So he was a complete royal disaster, maybe the biggest ever. And as we get to the end of 1 Kings 22, the final chapter, we're going to discover what happened to him. By the way, Game of Thrones season two will be released on Sunday morning, uh, the 11th of August, because we are going to start reading Second Kings together. So it's, we're going to keep going, because uh, it really is all one big story. So on the 11th of August, we're going to start Second Kings, although it won't last as long as season one. Now, if you were here last Sunday, you'll remember, hopefully, that King Ahab refused to listen to the Word of God. See, he wanted to go to war. He wanted to go to war against Ramoth Gilead because he wanted to reclaim that particular area of land that had been taken off him by the king of Aram, a man called Ben-Hadad. But a genuine prophet of God, a man called Micaiah, had said to Ahab, Ahab, if you go to war against Ramoth Gilead, It'll not end well for you. You will die. Well, Ahab, you may remember, absolutely hated. That's what God's word says. He hated Micaiah. Couldn't stand him, detested him. And therefore, it's very unlikely that he was going to take God's word via this man seriously. It was highly unlikely he would listen to Micaiah. And so, we're about to discover whether he heard or not, whether he listened or not, whether he had a listening heart or didn't. And so, have a look at the first verse, or not the first verse, the 29th verse of 1 Kings 22. Here's what it says. It's on the screen if you don't have a copy in front of you. So, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. Well, there's your answer. Ahab has decided to do what Ahab always decides to do, which is his own thing. God's word had explicitly said, listen, you go there, 
It'll not end well for you. But Ahab decides, I'm going anyway. I don't care what you say, Micaiah. I don't care what God says. I'm going to do my own thing. And so Ahab didn't have a listening heart. And the question that I asked last week, and it's a question that I ask again this week, it's a question that actually applies every single week, is what about me? What about us? Do we have listening hearts? Are you and I prepared and willing to hear God's word and to respond to it? To do what it says? To obey it? Well, Ahab certainly wasn't. And so off he goes to Ramoth-Gilead to fight. But I want you to notice, have a look at this verse, because he didn't go alone. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, his ally, the king of the southern kingdom, he goes with him. But the question there is, why? Why? Because you remember, if you were here last week, Jehoshaphat was the one who forced Ahab to talk to Micaiah because Jehoshaphat said to Ahab, you need to discern what the Lord says to you at this time. You need to seek the Lord's counsel. You see, Jehoshaphat had a listening heart. Jehoshaphat was one of those kings who, according to Scripture, didn't do evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Jehoshaphat was a good guy, So why is he with Ahab going to war whenever God's word had explicitly said it's not going to end well? Well, here's the answer. You ready? We don't know. Okay? We don't know why Jehoshaphat went with Ahab. The writer here doesn't tell us. And so we're left to assume, or at least this is my assumption, good people, godly people, don't always get it right. And even though good people, godly people, listen to God's word, they don't always choose to respond to it or do what it says or obey it. I mean, they can choose, we can choose. I still choose to hear God's word, but then do my own thing. Jehoshaphat sought out God's word. He told Ahab, get a prophet of the Lord, bring him, let's seek counsel from God through this prophet. But then whenever the prophet said what he said, Jehoshaphat, as well as Ahab, decides to just go with the flow. And I wonder how often we do that. How often I do that. I hear God's word and what he's saying to me about a particular issue, a habit, a choice, a direction, a relationship, and I say, yeah, God, I hear it, but if you don't mind, I'll just keep doing my own thing. Well, Ahab certainly did. Jehoshaphat also did. But why Jehoshaphat went with Ahab to war, with no clue. All the writer says is, he's there. So what happens next? Well, have a look at verse 30. Because Ahab comes up with a plan regarding this war, and it's, it's really weird. And here's what he says. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will enter the battle in disguise. But I tell you what, 
you wear your royal robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Now let me ask you, what is going on here? And what disguise did Ahab wear? Now it's probably not that, okay? But I wonder what disguise Ahab wore. It seems bizarre. God's word often is. But this moment seems so strange. But I wonder deep down, let's think about this. I wonder deep down, was Ahab a little worried that actually, you see what that prophet said? I wonder, was he right? I wonder, was the word of God, I wonder was what the word of God told me, I wonder was it actually gonna happen, and therefore I tell you what, just to be on the safe side, I'll disguise myself. I'll wear a costume. I'll be unrecognizable. And if I'm unrecognizable, if I wear a costume, if I'm in disguise, then I'll be fine. I won't die. I won't get killed in battle. Well, is Ahab trying to hide from God behind a fancy dress outfit? I mean, it's, it does sound ridiculous. Do we honestly think, does he honestly think he can fool God? and therefore sidestep the word of God? Well, as we all know, hiding behind masks never works when it comes to God. I mean, it it often works with each other, but it rarely works with God because God doesn't actually look in the outward appearance. God looks in our hearts. Doesn't matter what we're wearing. Doesn't matter what we look like. God sees the real us all the time. Sees the real me here this morning. Sees the real you. Well, anyway, Ahab puts the disguise on, whatever that was, and off the two kings go into battle. And again, did did you notice that he says to Jehoshaphat, tell you what, Jehoshaphat, you wear your royal robes. I wonder, was Ahab thinking, like if I'm disguised and he's in his royal robes, He'll become a sitting duck. Anyway, let's see. Verse 31. Now, the king of Aram, that's Ben-Hadad, he has ordered, it says, his 32 chariot commanders, now get this, do not fight with anyone small or great except the king of Israel. Wow, it turns out that Ben-Hadad doesn't care about anyone else, doesn't want to fight anyone else, only wants to fight Ahab. So it does seem that Ahab's decision to wear a disguise is a brilliant idea. Verse 32. When the chariot commanders saw Jehoshaphat, they thought, surely this is the king of Israel. So they turned to attack him. It was a stroke of genius in Ahab's part. The opposition did think that Jehoshaphat was Ahab. He was the king of Israel, and so they decide to attack him. So let's see what's going to happen next. But when Jehoshaphat cried out, the commanders saw that he was not the king of Israel, and they stopped pursuing him. That was close. Again, I'm left going, what did Jehoshaphat cry out? What did he scream? So at this stage of the battle, things are going rather well. Nobody recognizes Ahab, who is the prime target. And now Jehoshaphat, who was about to be killed, has been left alone and is not being pursued. 
Maybe, just maybe, the word of God wasn't right after all. Maybe there was no need to listen to the word of God. Maybe Ahab and Jehoshaphat, they're the ones that are actually in control of their own destinies. Maybe Ahab is going to live happily ever after. Until you read the next word, verse 34, but, and then this is fascinating, but someone drew his bow at random and hit the king of Israel between the sections of his armor. Talk about unlucky. Some unnamed archer fires an arrow at random and manages to hit some, as far as he was aware, some unknown guy right where there's a tiny gap in his armor. It's no big deal as far as that archer's concerned. It's just collateral damage of warfare. But we know exactly who's been hit. It's Ahab. It turns out he's not in control of his own destiny. It turns out you can't hide from God. You can't disguise yourself from God's word. You can't fool God. And Ahab knows he's been hit. And he starts to bleed. And he turns around to the driver of his chariot and he tells him to do a 180 and he says, let's get out of the battlefield. And then we read these solemn words. Verse 35. All day long the battle raged, and the king, that's Ahab, was propped up in his chariot facing the Arameans, and the blood from his wound ran onto the floor of the chariot, and that evening he died. Ahab bled to death. The king of Israel is dead. If only, if only he had listened. I mean, the word of God said this would happen, and it has. And if you have a Bible in front of you, look up at verse 17. Because you see, this is what Micaiah had said to Ahab. He said this, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd, and the Lord said, these people have no master, and let each one go home in peace. And then if you jump back down to verse 36, you read this, that just after Ahab died, as the sun was setting, a cry spread through the army, every man to his town, every man to his land. See what God had said was going to happen? The master, the shepherd of the people, is going to be no more, and everyone all the sheep are going to scatter and go back home. And that's exactly what has happened. The war is over. The word of God has come to pass, as it always does. You can run, you can hide, you can even put on a disguise, but you will never escape the word of God. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. And so Ahab refused to listen. He just wouldn't listen. And now he has faced the ultimate consequence of ignoring God's word. And the next couple of verses are truly tragic. So the king died 
and was brought to Samaria, and there they buried him. And they washed the chariot at a pool in Samaria where the prostitutes bathed, and the dogs licked up his blood as the word of the Lord had declared. This was an awful scene. You see, it turns out the Israelites needed that chariot. Pretty good chariot. And so instead of dumping it, they washed it. And they chose to take it somewhere where ladies of ill repute, and I'm choosing my words carefully this morning, where ladies of ill repute go to wash up after a hard day's or a hard night's work. And as Ahab's blood is washed off the chariot in this place where the prostitutes bathe, dogs come and lick up his blood. And for those of you who've been following this series, that should ring some bells because flick back, if you have a Bible, to chapter 21, where you have the story of Naboth's vineyard, which we looked at a few weeks ago. And here's what it says in verse 19. I'm just gonna read it to you. So say to him, say to Ahab, this is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man? And remember, Ahab didn't murder Naboth, but Jezebel, Ahab's wife, did murder Naboth in order that Naboth would give his vineyard over to Ahab to become a vegetable patch. This is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say this to him. This is what the Lord says. In places where dogs licked up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood, Ahab. Yes, yours. See, God predicted this. The word of God said this would happen. And so as you go back to what we just read a moment ago, as the word of the Lord declared, dogs will lick. You see, nothing that happened that day was at random. That archer's bow, that wasn't random. He didn't get hit just where it hurt by chance. God's word declared that all of this would come to pass, and it did. Despite Ahab's refusal to take it seriously, despite his attempts to keep a lower profile and disguise himself, Ahab discovers the disturbing consequences of not listening to God's word. And throughout this series, as we've read 1 Kings, it's been a recurring theme. Do we have listening hearts? Are we the kind of people who come and are willing and are prepared to hear what God says to us? And then having heard what God says to us, respond to what he says, do what he says, obey what he says. Because you see, this continues to be God's word to us today. This word stands forever, as Isaiah said. This word is still living and active. It still is, as Peter reminded us, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God reveals himself in and through his word, and therefore, whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever age you are, let me encourage and urge you to listen to God's word, read it, reflect on it, engage with it, consume it, learn it. Make time this summer, whenever your rhythm is slightly different, to spend time in God's word, to spend time with God's word. With everything else you take on holiday to read, make sure you also take God's word with you. Allow it to shape and influence you. Allow it to transform and challenge, teach and instruct, restore and refresh you. Because God is still communicating with us. 
as he did with Ahab. He did with Jehoshaphat. And okay, they chose not to listen, but that's the challenge we face. And part of the reason I want to stress this is because the consequences of ignoring God's word are all too real. They're all too serious. Recently, uh, I think I have a picture of it up on the screen as well. Recently, Mark, our youth pastor, and the youth team offered our young people this resource. It's called Hidden Word. It's from Open Doors. It's a resource pack to help young people learn and grow a deep passion for Scripture. I love the fact that our young youth leaders want to encourage our young people to learn and have a passion for Scripture. And this is a six-week course, and it's designed to encourage Bible memorization, inspired by the persecuted church, who very often do not have or are not allowed to have a copy of God's Word for themselves and therefore have to learn chunks of it in order to feed on it, in order to learn from it, in order to grow as a result of it. And so this pack is to help inspire young people to see God's word as something vital, life-giving, and indispensable. And my question this morning is this, do you see God's word as something vital, something life-giving, something indispensable? How, I mean, I know we often, how much time have you engaged with God's word this week? How much time have you read How much time have you reflected on it? How much time have you consumed it? When you go on holiday, do you read everything? I mean, I'm about to go on holiday. Can't wait. About to go on holiday after a bit of an event next week. And I was talking to someone yesterday and saying, hey, have you any recommendations on what books to take? And and then this morning I was sitting kind of reading over this and realized, do you know something, David? You hypocrite. The one, the, one, the one book you keep going on about and saying is so important, have you actually thought that you're going to take God's word with you in all day? It's not, this resource, by the way, is not, it's not just for young people. It's brilliant. There is only one of them. But if you want it, give Mark 12 quid. But it's, it, it is brilliant. Why not pick up a copy of it for yourself? Nearly done, but see those of you who have got a Bible in front of you will say, hang on, David, that isn't quite the end of 1 Kings. You've stopped early. Well, in verses 41 to 50, and I'm not going to take time, the writer rewinds, it's really interesting, the writer rewinds time and takes us back to the moment when Jehoshaphat became king in Judah. Way, way back, years and years back. And he tells us a little bit more about him in those final verses when he died then, and who took over. But look at the last three verses, and I'm nearly done. Because in the last three verses of the book of 1 Kings in chapter 22, we read a little about Ahab's son, who took over from him as king. And as it turns out, if you've got a copy of God's word in front of you, it turns out he's just a chip off the old block. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He aroused the Lord's anger just the way his dad had done. You see, here's the thing. Even though we should know better, we don't always do better. Even though Ahab refused to listen and reap the consequences, his son turns around and simply does the exact same thing. And so I know 
that just because you read God's word, just because you engage with God's word, as we have done for months, just as you emphasize the importance of listening to God's word, the reality is that even though we do this, guarantees nothing. Because the issue is my heart. Do I have a listening heart? Do you have a listening heart? Have you had a listening heart for the past five months? What is it that God's word is saying to you right now? And what are you going to do with it? May we never be like Ahab and not even like Jehoshaphat who listens but chooses to just go with the flow. May God's word continue to impact our lives individually but also as a church.